Hello and welcome to series three, episode 17 of Dad Educates Daughter on 80s Music. I'm Russell and this is my daughter Rebecca. Hello. Hello Dad. You okay? Hello. Yeah, yeah, it's good. So not, well, I wasn't in, I wasn't um, motivated enough when I was, because these, obviously we're now on to the the, the the yeah the randoms yeah the groups that i didn't even know were 80s groups they yeah. weren't mainstream i mean obviously last week you had the rolling stones which were a big group big. i never knew they were 80s yeah um and it's the same this week you've got pink floyd who you've probably heard of yeah. they were a big group but not necessarily what i'd have associated with 80s um and as for the others i'd not heard of any of them although even i was surprised with one of the vocalists on one of them so oh, okay. um, yeah so uh, we'll come to that but to remind everyone who you had it was change stiff little fingers sky pink floyd mobiles and pig bag so how did you find it? So like you say, they're like they're like fillers, really, aren't they? They're, they're random. So I'd heard of Pink Floyd, never yeah. listened to them, though. Um, and this week, it was, it was, it was interesting. So it's interesting to hear the different types of sounds that we have, how this week, as we come to them, there's like two bands that were just instrument instrumentals mainly um quite a bit of rock so like it's quite surprising how much rock but then obviously with these i have to remember it's not really the rock in the 80s it's the rock before that and they just got hits in the 80s um but it's quite nice to hear the different types of rock like Mm -hmm. like because rock you just think of like heavy metal whereas actually there's loads of elements to it and all the different things i mean i'm still not a rock fan but it's nice to know that it's not just the stereotypical heavy metal rock that my head goes straight to. Okay. Um, number ones? I've gone with none. Okay. There was one. Oh. Ooh, okay. Ooh, I was like, a firm like none this week. Yeah. Interesting. We'll find out uh, where that comes then. Yes. Okay, well, are you ready to Let's Talk Music? Yes, I am. Let's go. Okay, well, we'll start off with Change. Yeah. So I think these are were big in the 70s. I think they're a more 70s band. They're disco, which is why I've gone with a definitely think they're 70s. Um, there's no videos either. I found that quite hard this week. There's not many videos so I've not really known what the band looks like, what their style's like. So I might have like had one where I've seen the band and that might be a completely different style to what they actually have. But yeah, videos are a bit hard. So I can't 100% tell who's in this band. Um, but there was a couple where it was just like an album cover while I listened to it. Um, so I think there's five people in the band. Um they, these were a good way to start the week. They were, you know, good high to go off. It's, a, again, a different sigh into disco because I feel like the songs that I had with them being from the 80s, I got that 80s in there. So I think they had a bit of synthesizers in there to move it on, kind of do that slow move into the 80s sound. And each of their songs gave me something a bit different. Like, they weren't all the same. They didn't all have the same feels. Yeah, they were all a bit different for one another, but in a good way. It weren't an annoying way where you don't know if you're coming or going. Sure. So, Change, they had two main lineups. So their first one, which was 1980-81, not Mm -hmm. 70s, as you said, 1980-81. Luther Van Dross on vocals jocelyn shaw on vocals crystal davis on backing vocals yvonne lewis on backing vocals 
David Romani or David Romani because it's got an E on the end on bass. Paolo Giannolo, Giannolo on guitar. Terry Silverlight on drums. Andy Schwartz on keyboards. Mauricio Bianchi on synthesizer. And Rudy Trevisi on saxophone. And then they had an, another lineup between 82 and 85. James Robinson on lead vocals, 82 to 83. And then Deborah Cooper on lead vocals um, from 83 onwards. Timmy Allen on bass. Vincent Henry on saxophone. Michael Campbell on guitar. Jeff Borer on keyboards. Bob, Rob, sorry, Aries on synthesizer. Toby Johnson on drums. And Carol Sylvan and Mary Seymour on backing vocals. They were formed in 1979 in Bologna, Italy. Okay. And they are Euro disco, funk, dance, R&B. I mean, they say Euro disco. It's more Italio disco because obviously coming from Italian, from Italy. Sorry. Um, so change is an Ameri Italian-American post-disco group formed in, as I say, Bologna by businessman and executive producer Jacques Fred Pret Petrus and Mauro Malavesa, um, who were heavily influenced by the disco band Chic. Um, the majority of songwriting and production was carried out by Morio but by Moro Malavzi Malavzi um that's how you pronounce it and the bass player David Romani the band's dual identity was due to the way the music was produced so it's an interesting one so the tracks were written obviously by the Italian side and recorded with the backing vocals by the Italian collaborators in Italian studios, Phonoprint in Bologna, as I'm saying. Then these backing tracks were sent to America where vocals were added by American performers before being mixed in major studios such as the Power Station in New York City. And hence, and this is where I said about, I was, I mean, I know Luther Vandross. He was a big star, a big soloist in the 80s. Obviously, you haven't done male soloists. I didn't know he was in a group or, well, he wasn't in a group. It's because it's because, as I say, the way they done the setup was very weird. So they sort of obviously done done everything else. And then the vocals were put on it in the mix, in the mix production in the, in um, America. Right. So yeah, it's, a, yeah, yeah. it's uh, very weird. Not something I've heard of before, but yeah. So the vocals were added by on. Doing it, by doing it that way, they had the best production by going to America and having where they've got all the utilities to do that. Whereas Italy probably yeah. doesn't have it as massive. Well, they had, obviously, they had a recording studio. Yeah. So I don't know if they just didn't seem to have the vocalist. It's mm. as if they hired a vocalist to put their. Their, their voice, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it was, I don't know, it's weird. So the studio band was a stable of musicians who re who revolved around, hence the two different lineups. And, they, and there's other names that I hadn't even written down. They, it, it just seemed like they just used session musicians in a studio, right. recorded it, sent it off yeah. to America, got the vocals put on. Very mm. weird way. Um. So as I say, they had two different lineups between 1980 and 82. And it was the band's 1982 album, which was the band's third album, right. uh, Sharing Your Love, which moved the band further away from disco and more towards um, R&B and funk. So they went from the disco club music, yeah. dance music, whatever you want to call it, and they moved to the, the R&B and funk their fourth album, This Is Your Time, which was released in 1983, saw their initial commercial success falter with the title track flopping in comparison to the previous album's lead singles and saw James Robinson, the then lead vocalist at the time, 
leave to pursue a solo career and producers David Romano and Mario Malavasia depart for other projects. Now, bear in mind, Ray were the main songwriters as well, which I've already said. That's not good. Um, When you're, you know, your main people leave. Uh, These changes saw Timmy Allen join as bassist and principal songwriter, and Deborah Cooper became the new lead vocalist. The band's sixth album. So even though I've not heard of them, I mean, they've done six, there's, you know, six albums. They've got a nice amount, haven't they? Uh, Turn On Your Radio was their least successful album and was not intended to be the, the band's final release. But the death of Petrus in 1987, who was the person who put them together, he was the executive producer, mm-hmm. brought an end to the band. Although an attempt to revive the band in 1992 as X Change was unsuccessful as David Romani couldn't get the budget together to release the album that he'd done. The monetary issue was eventually resolved in 2009. Then, in mind, this is 1992. Wow. He'd done, he recorded the album. Uh, with the album Change Your Mind eventually being released in 2010. Wow. So, now they've brought that back, are they still going as X-Change? Yeah, well, I don't even know if they're still going as X-Change, but that's what they come they back as. So, they were, so, I suppose what they're saying is, they were X members of Change, yeah. so they yeah. called themselves X Change. Which, yeah. yeah, I quite like that though. But yeah, there's been nothing else, no other. So that's as far as I know was the the final album. I didn't really look into it because obviously I was looking up. I was obviously mainly looking at Change rather than yeah. X Change, yeah. which obviously was a, a different group and would have been more. Uh, a later, not it would have been in and at the eighties. As I say, it was what nineteen ninety two they were formed. Um, so uh, I didn't really look into exchange, but just a quick look now will tell me whether they are still going. Uh, yeah, they they released an album, Love for Love, in twenty nineteen. Oh, wow. No, sorry, okay. a single, a single, not even an album, a single. And oh, an album. So an album, Love for Love 2018, and they released a single, Love for Love, in 2019. So they're still doing bits. So they're still doing it, but it didn't, didn't chart anywhere. Right. Not even in Italy. So uh, That's a bit sad for them, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, so they had three top the 20 singles in the uk mm-hmm. two top 40 albums both in the both in the 80s 1984's change of heart number 34 and 1985 turn on the radio at number 39 they weren't big hits no no and single wise they had a double a First, in 1980, which um, was A Lover's Holiday and Glow of Love. And that got to number 14. Okay, not bad. A Lover's Holiday feels familiar. I don't know whether I recognise it. It just feels familiar. Like there might be some sort of sampling done in like from it from in the years to come. Um, but it's a strong start to the week. Uh, a Lover's Holiday was my favourite. And then Glow of Love had a good backing beat. The vocals were quite mellow, so it kind of drowned it out a bit. Okay. Also in 1980, Searching got to number 11. This one's very instrumental. It's minimal lyrics, but the lyrics that are in there are quite catchy. So it weren't a bad one, considering how instrumental it was for me. 1984, so this is the second lineup now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Change of Heart, number 17. Okay, it's slow, but it still gets you to want to move. It's quite simple. It's got repetitive sounds overlaid on one another. And then the last major hit, um, at least in the UK, um, and even though it, this, as I say, top 40, it wasn't really a major hit because um, 1985 Let's Go Together charted at number 37. Uh, yeah, this was my least favourite. The music is just too much compared to the vocals. Okay. 
Swiftly moving on then to Stiff Little Fingers. Yeah, so we're going to talk about the name, whether you found anything out on that. It's a bit odd. They're rock. And the one thing that stood out to me, and like it was funny because I first listened to it in my car, and when I first heard the vocals, I was like, whoa. And then when I, when I then had to like re-listen to it to do all my notes, I like had between then those times I'd forgotten what the vocals are like and when we when I got to it again I was like oh I forgot about this but here's the lead vocalist I'm like does he really sing like that his voice doesn't match his face like I'm shocked at how he can make those sounds it's the worst vocals I've ever had like at least others when I've been like you know like I've been like oh rock like rock stars don't have to know how to sing at least when i've said that they can sing mm-hmm. a bit but this this is something else it's just horrible and i'm like does it it must hurt his throat like it's very i want to say he wants to do a bit of screamo but he's not doing screamo like i don't know and then the weird thing is his voice goes a bit more normal as the songs go on so i don't know whether he got tired of doing that whether it was i don't know i don't know what he did but his voice changed um all of the people in the band look different from one another like they don't have like a set style they all they're all it's casual casual wear um but like you've got one all in black with a leather jacket you could like the vocalist at one point in a video looked like a PE teacher with like a bright blue top on um and some like joggers um you've got some in jeans and a top like they're just all very mismatched from one another but yeah it everything like to do with these all i could do was focus on the vocals because it's just i mean he's one of a kind that that's for sure okay well stiff little fingers were jake burns on vocals Wow. Alistair McMordy, who went by the name Ali, so Ali McMordy was on bass. Wow. Mm-hmm. Henry Clooney on guitar and Jim Riley on drums, but he was only with the band till 1981 and then he was replaced with Dolphin Taylor. Okay. They were formed in 1977 and they hail from Northern Ireland. They were formed in Belfast and they are a punk rock band. Yeah, I just went with rock. So, as I say, formed in Belfast at the height of the Troubles in Northern Ireland. Uh, The band started out as Highway Star, which was named after the Deep Purple song. I'm sorry. How? How? Okay, yeah, carry on, because I'm intrigued how they got to Stiff Little Fingers. Okay. Um, They they did... after a while, they felt that um, Highway Star was not punk enough um, name. And after a brief flirtation with the name The Fast, they decided to call themselves Stiff Little Fingers after a song by The Vibrators. So there you go. Um, so the band were the first punk band in Northern Ireland to release a record, which was Suspect Device. Uh, which was released on their own independent label, Rigid Digits, while their album, Inflammable Material, um, which was released in partnership with Rough Trave, became the first independent album to enter the UK Top 20. Oh, independent? Yeah. Okay. First independent album to get into the Top 20. So... After six years and four albums, the band split up in 1982, although they reformed in 1987. And despite many different lineups, including Bruce Foxton from The Jam playing bass between 1991 and 2006, the band is still active, both touring and recording, with their last studio album, the band's 10th, being released in 2014. Although vocalist Jake Burns is the only ever present member, bassist Ali McMordy returned in 2006 
uh, replacing Foxton 15 years after leaving when Foxton replaced him. So, um, right, okay. so Ali McMordy kind of was with them back. from the from the beginning, left in yeah. 1991, was replaced by Bruce Foxton, as I say, okay. from the jam. And then in 2006, Foxton left and was replaced by Ali McMordy. Okay. So, yeah. I wonder why he decided. Did he like go? No, you weren't even. He didn't. It's not like he was no. vocalist, was he? So it's not like he went. No, no, no. Just a bassist. And yeah, no. No. Doesn't seem to have gone anywhere else. Just maybe retired from music. And as I say, um, the the you know. Um, obviously he came back so the group obviously split up in 82 and then reformed again in 87 he was still in there it wasn't until 1991 when he'd gone but they'd obviously had a big change so in 87 obviously I'm get, as Jake Burns is the only ever present yeah um, until Ali McMordy and obviously Ali McMordy come back um, hmm. the others obviously whether they I left in yeah so I don't know whether they left in 87 uh, in 82 and didn't return in 87 yeah. or or what happened i don't know but yeah um so they had one top 20 single two top 10 albums 1980s nobody's heroes at number eight and also in 1980 hanks at number nine okay so, so two top 10 that. albums mm. no so as for the songs, 1980, At The Edge, number 15. That's not bad. Um, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of noise, and this was the worst for the vocals. It just hit me, and I was like, no, I don't like it. <laughs> then they had a double A side in 1980 as well, Nobody's Heroes and Tin Soldiers. However, it only got to number 36. They're quite opposite sounding songs like nobody's hero is very rocky you don't really know what they're saying like it's that kind of um sounding and then tin soldiers was my favorite and it's got a good beat gets your head bopping it's actually quite a catchy song and it's when it, this is where he starts singing more than it doing his weird vocals sounds that he's done with nobody's hero and at the edge so that's quite weird that they put them two together hmm. And in 1982, Listen got to number 33. Okay. This one, you could hear that they were changing a bit. They were, like, tuning into a bit of, not pop, but going down that way more than the harsher rock. So it was quite a nice change. Okay. Moving on to Sky. Hmm. These are only instrumentals. So... I only had one song, so it's always hard. But this song was memorable. Like, I remember this. There's no lyrics whatsoever. It's just sound. I mean, they're obviously very talented. And I'm going with that they're synth pop because it sounds very that root with... Maybe not synth pop, some sort of synth something, though. Because they're very much that type of sound with all the instrumentals. But I did listen to two more songs just in case there was any lyrics in any other songs. So I listened to Where Opposites Meet, Slow, Not Much Going On, and Vivaldi is very dramatic. And again, no vocals. No vocals whatsoever. So I'm like, okay. Then obviously I've seen videos while watching the three, like obviously the two that I went and watched and then the third one that I did have. They're just a bit nerdy. I feel like they're sciencey that have like orchestrated all this sound together. Like, they've got a brain on them. They're obviously talented, but who just buys? Like, unless they're selling their music for a soundtrack, I don't know who would want to listen to this. But, okay. yeah, you go. Obviously, the one I've given you, obviously, was a top 40. Yeah. We're not expecting it to be high, I didn't say anything. No. No. Not expecting if, it to be the number one. No, if no. it's the number one. I will be shocked because I've got okay. another group that's a bit like these this week as well. These aren't the only no vocal group that I've got this week. So it was happening in the 80s. These not big okay. enough because they weren't that big. But yeah. OK, so Sky were Kevin Peake on electric guitar, John Williams on 
um, guitar. Herbie Flowers on bass, Tristan Fry on drums, Francis Monkman on keyboards, 79 till 80, and then Steve Gray went on keyboards from that in 1980. They were formed in 1978 in London, and they are an instrumental rock band. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll go with that. So Sky were an English-Australian instrumental rock group that specialised in combining a variety of musical styles. So the group's best-known lineup was Australians John Williams and Kevin Peake, with Englishmen, or Englishmen, sorry, Herbie Flowers, Tristan Fry and Francis Monkman. Even though Francis Monkman was only with them from 1979 to 80, it was Steve Gray that was with them the longest. Um, they got together following John Williams' solo album, funny enough, called Changes. I've had a group called that today, which was released in 1971, in which Tristan Fry, an established session drummer, and bassist Herbie Flowers, formerly of T-Rex, uh, both worked on, and the three musicians became good friends um, and kept in touch. And they worked together on another Williams solo album, uh, 1978's Travelling, in which keyboardist Francis Monkman also worked. Um, and it was through Monkman that Peake was in introduced as they had both worked together. And Peake was equally adapted as a classical guitarist, a bit like Williams. Mm. Um, so quite interesting. It was... Monkman that introduced Peak to the to the group when it was Williams and Peak that were the two Australians. So you'd have thought actually, because they were two of the Australians, that Williams would have known Peak. But it, yeah. it, it was totally, you know, they just happened to be two Australians that had come together. So he was a classical guitarist like Williams. Yeah, okay. He'd been a long-standing mem long member of Cliff Richards' band, as well as writing, uh, sorry, working, I'll get it right in a minute, um, for Manfred Mann, Tom Jones, Lulu, Shirley Bassey, and Jeff Wayne. So, um, yeah, you can tell that, obviously, um, Kevin Peake was quite a, a strong musician and obviously was like mm. the final piece of the jigsaw for Sky. Bear in mind, they are an instrumental group. <laughs> so, following the success of Travelling, Williams and Flowers set up Sky. So, that they literally just got together. So, the band ended up recording seven studio albums over the next eight Ow. years. With the first four albums being called Sky. Sky 2... Oh, no. Sky 3 and Sky 4. Now, <laughs> funny enough, the, the next three weren't called 5, 6 and 7. They actually were called by their type, by the actual titles. Uh, the last performance as a group was at RAF, uh, at an RAF tribute concert in May 1995. And although the band have never formally disbanded, the deaths of both Steve Gray in 2008 and Kevin Peake in 2013 make a future reunion very unlikely. Yeah, that is not going to happen, is it? No. So they had one top 10 single and four top 10 albums. Which were They've made all those albums. <laughs> With no vocalists. With no vo vocalists. <laughs> People have gone and bought those albums. Yeah. You're about to list four that got, yeah. what, top 40, did you say, yeah? Top 10 albums. Top 10? Four yeah. that got top 10? <laughs> yeah. Hang on, it gets better. Oh, no. 1979, Sky got to number nine. Oh, my God. 1980, Sky 2 got to number one in the UK album charts. Shut up. Number one. Oh, it's just noise. There's no singing. Who is buying that? 
Like you never hear of classical albums getting in the album charts. They have their own because there's no singing. The 1980s was a strange decade. I'm learning that. Music, everyone had. It was like it was. I suppose it was like a mini America. We say about America, depending on where you come from, depends on you know you had your your heavy metal, your country. You know, there's nothing there's nothing too further away than country music and heavy metal. But in one state there could be heavy metal, and in another state they country country and western or country you know country music. In England we had it all. Although country music never really took off, but yeah, just it. So, 1981, Sky 3 was released. That got to number three. Oh, my God. I can't go. And then in 1982, Sky 4, forthcoming, got to number seven. I can't cope. So, they had one top 40 single. And I've already told you it got to the top ten. Yeah. So in 1980, Takata, I think that's how you would pronounce it, Takata, Takata. Yeah, that's what I've been going, I've been going with, Takata. Got into the top 10. Not only did it get into the top 10, got into the top five. I don't know how I missed it when I'd done, done the earlier ones. You know, it's a top five single. It's got no lyrics, that's why. So, 1980, Sky with Takata peaked at number five. Oh, thank God for that. What, still number five? Yeah, but it's not number one. All yeah. I could think was that it's something from a horror film. Like, it sounds like it's a soundtrack from some sort of horror film. Or it should be, if it's not. Any producers, directors, whoever does soundtracks for horror films, get that on there. It will freak people out. Hell yeah. yeah. I'm guessing they're not going to be a hit, but I won't preempt what you're going to say. I could surprise you. You could. I doubt it. <laughs> Pink Floyd. Yep. So I had pre-thoughts about these because I'd heard of them, and all I know about them was that they were rock, but I thought they were really heavy rock. and. I just remember them being on Guitar Hero. Um, so that's all I know about them. Um, to be honest, there's not much to say about them. Like They're just a standard rock band. I don't see who's in the band at all either. Like There's no um, videos that show me who's in the band. So I don't even have anything to say on that. So there's not much. Until you go through the songs, I'll let you know what I think of each song. Not okay. much. I just think they're a standard rock band. They just do their stuff. They appeared, they left, that type of thing. Okay. Right, well, I'll be honest, Pink Floyd weren't as successful as I was expecting. Well, I thought they were quite successful. Yeah. I just gathered, because you've not given me them, they must be like a... They were more an album, which is what this... um, What I'm going to talk to you about is more album-wise than singles. So, Pink Floyd were Robert Walters, bass and vocals. David Gilmore, who is probably the best known one, guitar and vocals. Richard White, White on keyboards and synthesizers. And Nick Mason on drums. Sid Barrett was an original member on guitar, but he left in 1968. So they were formed in 1965, again in London. And they are a progressive rock band, prog rock as it's known. Right. So Pink Floyd found success in 1967 when their single See Emily Play reached number six in the UK. And although they had seven top ten albums throughout the 70s, including two number ones, the 1970s Atom Heart Mother and 1975's Wish You Were Here, plus they had two number two albums, um, 1973's The Dark Side of the Moon and 1977's Animals, they actually didn't have another single success until number until 1979's Another Brick in the Wall, which oh. reached number one. That's your number one. Take that as a number one. I'll take that. That's yeah. a good one. I recognise that one. I think that's and, the one that was on the side, right? although it was 1979, the good thing is 
It got to number one on the 9th of December. It was that year's Christmas number one. So 1979, the Christmas number one was Another Brick in the Wall. No, it's not a Christmas song, is it? Well, no. And it was still number one come January 1980. Until the Pretenders, with Brass in Pocket, knocked it off the top spot. Something that both the police, with Walking on the Moon, and ABBA, I Have a Dream, had failed to do in the previous weeks. Wow. So, yes. So that makes them sound like they're massive, but they're not. No, and that was their only, as I say, that was their only hit. And as as I'm about to tell you, um, although this didn't help future singles throughout the 80s, with only one single breaking into the top 30, yet they still had success throughout the 80s with the albums. With 1983's The Final Cut making number one, and 1987's A Momentary Lapse of Reason get into number three. They also had two albums at number one in the 90s, with 1994's The Division Bell and 1995's Pulse. And in 2014, the Endless River album also reached number one. So they had seven top 40s between 1967 and 1994, and their last album released got to number eight. So they've had six number one albums. Wow. So, yeah, they're definitely an album group. So, yeah. So they did have a number one, obviously, with another brick in the wall. But otherwise, they've only had seven top 40 uh, singles between the 1967 and 1994. But their albums, even as as much, you know, as recent as, what, 2014, they've had number one albums. And their last album even got to number eight and that was in 2021 okay so as i say definitely an album group much i mean i've heard of them i mean the dark side of the moon i think is an album that i seem to have heard a lot about um but um yeah not so not so um impressive in the singles which surprised even me um it's like i know of them you just assume that they're quite a big group yeah, like, yeah, which they are obviously from an album. So I mean, they've had a lot of number ones, and even as I say, they still are having but like, success. I mean, but with their for albums, us to but... have heard of them, you would oh, have assumed yeah, yeah. their singles would have been big as well because yeah. we've heard of them. Yet yeah, it's not our type of music. It's not no. one that we've listened to. So apparently, could still be big. Only do albums. So as I've, I've already said, 1979, but it was. Still in the charts in 1980 and still at number one, which is where obviously it, it got to. Yeah. Well, another brick in the wall, like I say, I recognise it. It was a slow start in one, um, but it, you know, built up and it's just, it's catchy. So I enjoyed that one. I did manage to find a favourite that weren't that one, though. So that, that's mm. good. 1982, when the Tigers broke free, got to number 39. Oh, yeah, okay. That's an in-the-background song for me. It's quite mellow. It didn't really have much to it. 1983, Not Now John, got to number 30. Too many instrumentals. Way too many. Loads of solos, lots going on, I think. And then we're going into the 90s now. So 1994, Take It Back, number 23. Ooh, this was my favourite. It's a thing, you're able to sing along to it. The only downside to it, but I did get past it, the intro's quite long, but it's an all right intro. It's not too much, like it's not too heavy in your ear. And then, yet again, I think I think every group, apart from Strikes, only had one single anyway, has had a double A this week. Um, yeah. So 1994, double A, High Hopes and Keep Talking got to number 26. Okay. Well, High Hopes really focuses on their singing talent. It focuses on that. The lyrics are questionable, though. Like, it has some weird lyrics in it. Um, and then Keep Talking is, they're just, again, it's like um, they're opposites of each other. High Hopes is quite, they've got all that lyric and it's singing and blah, blah, blah. Keep Talking, there's just not much body to the music. There's just nothing really there. Obviously, it's a, an instrumental week and a double A week. Yeah, two Two so. different things in one. Yeah. Okay, moving on to mobiles. 
And yeah. these are an interesting group, believe me, when you hear about them. Oh. Okay. I'm intrigued. Uh, yes. So I've got synth pop. They're very creepy. I can't describe the voice. And for some reason, horror movies keep coming up, but they've got a horror movie voice. Um, they're emo looking, quite heavy makeup, styled like volume, high volume hair. You only really see the woman, so I don't know who else is in the band. Um, I only had two songs for them, so I went out and listened to two more. Um, so I listened to Lost Lost Without Your Love. That's unbeaten sing-along. Out of the four that I listened to, so obviously the two that you gave me, the two that I went off and listened to, Lost Without Your Love is the best one. And then Partners in Fiction is just very repetitive. So, yeah, they didn't give me much more of an insight because all the songs, like all four of them, are a bit different from one another. Okay. So mobiles were Anna Marie, Maria, sorry, Anna Maria on vocals, David Blundell on bass, Chris Downton on electric guitar, Russ Madge on electric guitar as well, John Smithson on keyboards, and Eddie Smithson on drums, which I'm guessing are brothers. They were formed in 1981 in Eastbourne. And they are indeed a synth pop new wave band. So, right. not a lot I can tell you about them, but the very last bit is very intriguing, as I will come to in a minute. So, although formed in Eastbourne, the band members actually came from various parts of East Sussex. Um, so, Hastings, Bexalon Sea, and then they obviously got together in, in Eastbourne. Yeah. Um, so, although the band was short-lived, with just one album recorded, oh. um, which was the self-titled Mobiles, and just seven singles released, of which only two charted, which were the two I gave you, wait for this, a best-of album was released in oh. 2006 by wait, Cherry Red Records. <laughs> So they only had one album, you know, so you think, well, surely a best of album is going to be that album. <laughs> yeah, so basically their best of album, they've re-released their own album. But no, no. Um, oh. So the album was released in 2006 by Cherry Red Records, which featured all of the tracks from their album as well oh. as oh. their seven singles. So now... I'm a bit lost because either their seven um, singles or some of their seven singles weren't on the album, but they never obviously made an album with them. Yeah. Or they've just released, re-released their album, but also said it's got their seven, to, their seven singles. Well, yeah, like their they seven tried singles. to yeah. make it sound so, like it's in bulk. Yeah. But yeah, who knows? I've never come across anything like it. The Mobiles, one album plus a best of. <laughs> it's just, when I was, I was like, hang on now, how can you have a best of album when you've only got one album anyway? Because you just go out and buy that album. That's the best of anyway, isn't it? You know, but yeah. Like, imagine you're like a fan of them. You're like, oh, yeah, I've got both their albums, their album and their best of. Yeah. Right? <laughs> I mean, it's not like they had one charting album and then they've got a Yeah. You know, it's, they, it does say, although the band was short-lived, with just one album being recorded. So no other album was recorded. So there's no other material out there for Cherry Red Records to have made a best of form. So... Very bizarre. Some of, these other, some of these singles, they had seven singles released, but only two of them charted, so I don't know what the other ones are. But there we go. They maybe they because they didn't chart, they didn't bother doing a second album and then obviously disbanded. So it could well be that because I mean, that's a lot of singles, seven singles to release off of one album is like literally the whole album because you probably only have 11, 11 12 it, singles on an album in 2006. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's called the, um, the best album. of. And it is. Um, it was actually called the the single. Um, Drowning in Berlin. Drowning in Berlin. Yes. Yeah. 
So I've I've looked because I was. Whereas the other one was called Mobiles, their action album. Yeah. It was self-titled. So on, on Spotify, the only in their discography, the only album on Spotify is the best of. So I'm scrolling yeah. down and looking at the songs. Obviously, the two that I've got are on there. Um, weirdly, there's not a song called "Lost Without Your Love" on there. Wow. Then so you've listened to something that maybe wasn't them. Because sure that, if that's the best of, that's got but, everything on it. But it's got one, two, three different versions of a more and more. <laughs> it's got a more and more, and then it's got a more and more reprise, and then it's got a more and more extended version. Wow. And it's got all these other songs on there as well. But yeah. Um, that's all that's on there. That's it. That that's them. Well, and that's it as far as I've got on them. And hence, I've not really come across them before. Um, and as I say, one album, and then in twenty years later, a um, a best of album. So very bizarre. To their singles, nineteen eighty two, drowning in Berlin, got to number nine. Not bad. That was my favourite that you gave me, but it's very creepy. It does slowly get better as you listen to it, though. It's still a weird, t- you know, drowning in Berlin. Yeah. Bear in mind the Bur- This was before the Berlin Walls come down. It is odd. But so yeah. yeah, very. Um. And in 1982, and more and more got to number 45. So it didn't even get inside the top 40. My God. Yeah, but the, there's not much body to the song. The music takes over the singing. Okay. Well, on to our last group for this week, Pig Bag, who I can say I've seen live. I know, you sent me a video. And the video that you sent me of them is very different to the music that I've got as well. Well, they were doing a cover of Take On Me by well, Heart, yeah, which is why yeah. I recorded that. Yeah, but when you sent it to me, I was like, oh, I swear this isn't who I've listened to. And I quickly checked that it was who I've listened to, and I was like, okay. But obviously with it being a cover, but then I was still like, what? Like, we well, only have to look at the age of no the vocalists. Yeah, they have no lyrics. There is no vocalist. <laughs> no. Um, ha- they're happy-go-lucky, though. They're literally just doing it for fun. I, like I say, again, another group of no vocals. I didn't listen to any more because I was like, they only do uh, instrumentals. So the reason I listened to more of Sky was because I only had one song from them. Whereas because yeah. I've got two and I've learnt my mistake by listening to more from Sky, <laughs> no, it was still instrumentals anyway. So I was like, well, no point because you've, I've got two songs. I may as well just compare them to one another and go for it. But there's not, there's not one video of them. Like there was only like an album cover, which is how I know it was lads, and they just looked. I'm like surprised them. that you couldn't find a video of them on top of the pops. No, nothing came up. Mm. No, I didn't scroll. I only look at the first three because it's like well, the song's a song, but yeah, I didn't see any of them, so I don't know what they mm. look like. Um, but yeah, instrumental group. Okay, I went so. With but I could be wrong because the last one was this instrumental rock band, whatever it was. So, Pig Bag, Simon Underwood on bass, James Johnston on guitar and saxophone, Chris Lee on trumpet and the steel drums, Ollie Moore on saxophone, Roger Freeman on keyboards and trombone, Andy Chip Carpenter on drums, Chris Hamlin on the clarinet, and Mark Smith on electric bass. They were formed in Cheltenham, 1980, and they are a dance, punk, funk, rock, alternative dance group. Okay. So Chris Hamlin formed the band while at Cheltenham Art College and recruited the multi-instrumentalist Roger Freeman, who he knew from his hometown of Birmingham, or home city, um, along with Chris Lee and record shop assistant James Johnston. Initially, for just some jamming sessions between them, which eventually evolved into Pig Bag. The group would jam in local parks. After a couple of months, they expanded 
the group to rehearse more seriously. So Johnston's old schoolmates, Andy Chip Carpenter and Mark Smith joined. And it was during these sessions that Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag was developed from an idea that Chris Hamlin had before the band was even formed. And it became their signature tune. A friend who knew Mark Stewart, the vocalist of the pop group. That's what it was called, the pop group. Told them that Simon Underwood had left as their bassist. So Pigbag were looking for a new bassist as uh, Mark Smith had left or departed. Um, So they acquired Underwood's address and travelled down to his hometown in Bristol, home city again, uh, to convince him to join. And to their surprise, after hearing their demo tapes, he agreed. And he even recommended his friend Ollie Moore, thus completing the lineup. It was through Underwood's connection that they landed their first gig, supporting the stilts at Romeo and Juliet's in Bristol in, on the 21st of October 1980, where they played, wait for this, a 20-minute version of what was to become Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag. 20 minutes. 20 minutes. One song. I was just going to say it was like a 20 minute concert thing. 20 minutes of just one song. Yeah. Oh my uh, God. Can you have me up? Yeah, we've almost finished our first song. <laughs> so, yeah. And um, it got a positive reception. Well, it probably just clapped them to get them off the stage. Well done. Yeah, get off. We want to listen to the stilts. In a bit. Blooming um, there. What were so, they yeah. like when you them live how do you find them um cover of something but then they, i mean obviously they're... they didn't they done their instrumentalists but they did have a vocalist a young vocalist at that um as you saw and obviously i liked them because they sang they done take on me but when you think of it take on me is very that song that's their song and then do, 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 you know that it's, uh, it's got, yeah. if you think about it, it when you listen no, to it not comparing them to a ha no i'm not definitely not comparing them what i'm saying is you can easily see why they they could they done a ha that and that yeah because it was quite easy to change from there yeah like they could easily, yeah that's true mm. so still odd so yes, so following that um, concert, the next day they got invited to record the track for Y Y, as in the letter Y Records. At this point, they adopted the name Pigbag in reference to Chris Hamlin, the the founder, scruffy cloth bag which had a printed a, a print of a warthog on it. So hence Pigbag people come up with names so random uh they released the single papa's got a brand new pig bag on y records in which rough trade distributed the single and the track quickly became an underground dance hit selling many thousands of copies and charting well i'll come to that later where it charted Mm -hmm. uh the song along with paul oakenfold's remix of reach up Papa's got a brand new pig bag, became a stadium anthem at football stadiums and was adopted and was adopted by QPR fans in 1994. Bear in mind, it was released in what, 1980, 82. Um, 12 years later, it was a pop anthem or sorry, a stadium anthem. That's why I recognised it a bit. So Chris Hamlin the founder, he left not long after, feeling he had created an unmeasurable group with too many egos. Oh. So, yes. So the founder actually went and left, who actually wrote, whose idea was the, their signature tune, um, which is what they're only known for, really. Um, and then during September and October, the band toured the US, and in April 1982, they released their first album, Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive, 
which was a huge success, despite only including um, one of their previous singles called Getting Up. The band got invited to perform twice on Top of the Pops. Um, however, the first Top of the Pops appearance saw Roger Freeman leave the group after he refused oh. to switch his donkey jacket for the suit the band had decided to wear for the show so left before recording and was replaced oh. by Brian Neville, who had already stood in for Roger for several gigs as he was too stressed from the considerable strain touring had put on him. So he's already in not a great state of sound yeah. anyway, because he's already but yeah, he left just before the top of the pops recording and um this uh Brian Neville who'd stood in for him before come in and actually um so his first live appearance or first big appearance should uh, I say because he'd already appeared was yeah. on top of the pops. So Top of the Pops didn't actually have two of their original members in Roger Freeman and um, Chris yeah. Hamlin because they'd both left before then. Um, so the band disbanded during the next year of 1983. Oh, so they didn't last at all, did they? No. However, when Y Records went bankrupt, they were took over by Kaz Records, who subsequently released a best of pig bag called Discology. Disco. Okay. Disc, decolo, discology. Uh, okay. Um, pig Bag, although not a hugely commercial success, they are considered as a one-hit wonder, but their Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag is still a popular dance record in clubs and at sporting events, particularly by QPR, and now it sounds like Middlesbrough FC have adopted them as well. Um, and in 2003, an amp from Rao erupted between QPR and Cardiff, obviously being English and Welsh, at the playoff final. So, neither God Save the Queen or the Welsh Anthem, which I haven't written down because I couldn't, wouldn't be able to pronounce it, so I just wrote the Welsh Anthem, <laughs> were played. Neither of them were played, right. which is, you know, uh, something like that. They, they yeah. would have been. Yeah. So instead, the clubs were asked to choose their own songs. QPR chose oh, Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag. So the song was played at the Millennium Stadium, or well, Wembley Millennium Stadium. I would say probably back then it was still being done. Yeah. At the, probably Wembley was being rebuilt. So it may well have been a Millennium Stadium, but it could have been Wembley. Um, so, yeah, it's got played before the... Oh. Uh, the playoff final in 2003. I can't. But I did, when I was listening to Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag, I was like, this sounds like it's been used for something. I couldn't put my finger on it. As soon as she said football, I was like, ah, yes. So it is quite big, isn't it? But still, of all the songs that they could have chosen. Yeah. So they had one top 10 single. One top 20 album, which was 1982's Dr. Heckle and Mr. Jive, which got to number 18. So where did Papa's Got a Brand New Pig Bag chart? And where did that other single, which we haven't even mentioned? It's not even been mentioned. It's not really known of. As I say, they're known as a one-hit wonder, even though they had a, a top what 20 album two top 40 singles so here we go 1982 papa's got a brand new pig bag now your last instrumentalist song got to number five mm -hmm. did this do better well if any of them i'd say this one should do better okay being in football it should so as i said it got into the top 10 it did in fact get into the top five so we know that Sky's Takata also got in the top five. So as you can see, instrumentalist songs did do well in the 80s. Yeah, apparently so. At least the early 80s. And we already know about Chariots of Fire and Vangelis. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, we're not, we're not, it's nothing new at the moment. Um, it got to number three. I'm glad it did better than Takata. But yeah, like I say. But what a tune. <laughs> do, 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 do. Yeah. It, it, it's memorable, do, do, isn't it? Like, do, 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 do. And I do, wish I could do, pinpoint do, that I heard do, 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 it. Do, 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 do. Yeah. Football. 
but as soon as you said it, yeah. It's just fun, isn't it? That was my favourite out of the two. Yeah, well, yeah. Well, the other one, 1982 also, The Big Bean, that got to number 40. Okay. That could be music for a circus act, you know. That's yeah. what I thought. I was like, this could be a circus act. So you've got Papa's got a brand new pig bag for football. You could have the Big Bean for circus. Mm-hmm. If they keep going, they could cover loads of things. Oh. They could. <laughs> Okay, well, that brings us to the end. So all we need to know is whether did Dad influence daughter or not? Change. That was a good start for me. You did influence me. I enjoyed those. Uh-huh. I think you like a bit of R&B. Or was it more so, the, the, the the disco at the beginning? Actually, like a bit, a bit of disco of as well. I so, it. yeah. But you've got to remember, R&B is what I've grown up with. Yeah, yeah. R&B is very 90s slash early noughties. Mm. A lot of music that I listen to. Okay. On to Stiff Little Fingers. Yeah, there's a big fat did not. No. Okay. No surprise there. Sky with their number five hit to Carter. A big fat did not. <laughs> okay. Not doing that well as we move on to Pink Floyd. So Number one, another brick yeah. in the wall. So Pink Floyd was very on the fence about. And I went back into quite a lot back into. And I have put that you did because there are a few songs that are a bit more catchy, a bit more less rock should i say mm-hmm. so i enjoyed yeah they weren't that bad okay i'd pick out the songs that i like and don't like do you know what i mean they'd sure. be one of those ones and now um the group that mobile phones were named after mobiles <laughs> uh you did not no okay okay and um pig bag oh well do you know what you did not <laughs> <laughs> it was an awful week but yeah i know it's an awful week me. for me as well even writing it as i say it was more um two surprises one that pink floyd when i say they weren't successful clearly they were but from a single point of view mm, they like, weren't and and yeah. i was even more surprised that because obviously i don't think of them as an 80s they're more before i've always thought of them before but they didn't actually have any hits before they, actually do much so, before, did they? So, um no um very i was very surprised at that and then um as i say luther van dross being in change i didn't know that he um was oh, that before, is, so. so yeah which just brings me on to next week now then which is um Another week of these, not unknown, but forgotten groups. Yeah. Forgotten by me, because they weren't big. Are you ready? I am. So, Enigma UK. Now, the reason it's got UK is there was another Enigma who actually done yeah. very well in the, mid, in the early 90s. Right. Um, I always called them monk music because they were very... Um, oh. Yeah, 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 because they dressed with these things on. But, yeah, and I, when I saw this, I thought, oh, I know Enigma. God, I didn't know they were around in the early 80s, because this is when this is from. And it's not. It's a different group. This is Enigma UK, not Enigma, okay. um, which is from, for that's called Sadness, actually, part one. They keep, it's weird. I bought their album. Um, but, yeah, Monk Music, I called it, but... Anyway, you won't be listening to that. You can if you want to, but it's not the one that we'll be talking about. We're talking about Enigma UK. And are they actually called Enigma UK? Enigma UK. I don't know whether, I mean, whether the UK part was added on because of the other Enigma, after, which come along after. Yeah. As I say, that was 90s. I don't know. But, um, yeah. Okay. Uh, Mirage. Right. Flash in the Pan. Right. Roman Holiday. Okay. SOS Band. No. Bellary Sum. I no. think that's how you pronounce it. And Hipsway. No. So, yes. So, they are your seven groups for next week. Seven. Okay. 
but wow. there is a interesting twist with oh. two of them. They're going to be linked in some way. Yes. Okay. okay. So that's next right, week. Then. So Enigma UK, Mirage, Flash in the Pan, Roman Holiday, the SOS Band, Bellary Sum, and Hipsway. Yeah, I'll get on with it. Yeah, you haven't got any choice really, so I'm not giving you any other bands. So if you want to have a not... next week, then um, you'll have to get on with it because it won't be a good podcast for people to listen to otherwise. And hopefully it's better than this week. Yeah, I might like some of them. <laughs> yeah, yes. So oh. that's it. On All that right, note, then. I will say goodbye. Yeah. I will get those songs to you. Bye. I'll speak to you next week. Bye, Dad. <laughs>